Welcome to the Recharge Your Life podcast with me, Dr. Carrie Ulrich and Kelly Gunther. We are thrilled to talk to people who have made a decision that recharged their lives. Often they push themselves out of their comfort zones and took risks. We want to know about that decision point. Why did they make that decision? And most importantly, how can we learn from them? Kelly and I are passionate HR professionals, and together we co-founded our HR consulting firm, Abrachi Group. We have talked to amazing people throughout our careers and listened to them as they made decisions that changed their lives and knew that these inspirational stories would help others. And why did we call it Recharge? It's based on a book I co-authored called The Way of the HR Warrior, and in it, we have a leadership model, CHARGE, which stands for courage, humility, accuracy, resiliency, goal-oriented, and exemplary. We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly. We're so honored to have Maggie Malone as our very special guest. Maggie is a client success leader at Wildspark, a powerful online leadership development tool built for companies that care about their people, their legacy, and the impact they will make in the world. Maggie earned her Bachelor of Education in Human Resources Development, as well as her Master's Degree in Marketing from Texas A&M University. A rather exciting first for us on this podcast, Maggie is an Olympian. She ran track at the University of Nebraska before transferring to Texas A&M, where, in 2016, she became the first female javelin thrower to win an NCAA title and U.S. Olympic team trials title in the same season. Maggie enjoys playing competitive team sports, which include volleyball, basketball, and softball, as well as watching movies and singing. So Maggie, welcome to our podcast. We always like to start by asking, what show, podcast, book, or blog do you go to when you want to push yourself and expand your thinking? Oh, man. Thanks, Kelly, so much. Uh, really excited to be part of y'all's podcast today. But so the the two that I probably listen to the most, and we talked about this a little bit offline, I love Joe Rogan. And I, it is probably one of my favorites because he has a mix of athletes and um, and then obviously, you know, scientists and, and leadership experts. And so I get to learn from all the different areas that I'm interested in from, you know, how to be greatly recovered as an athlete to, you know, what does what's happening in the environment and why is that happening in certain areas around that? So that's the first one. The second one that I love is called Armchair Expert um, with Dax Shepard. I'm not sure if you've heard of that one, but he has the best experts on um, very similar to like a Joe Rogan-esque uh, podcast and a lot of humor. Uh, so those are, those are my go-to. Welcome Maggie. We're so excited to have an Olympian. We can't take it. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, Kelly and I are Olympians. You know, we're so God, I can't even <laughs> the dedication that we would have. I mean, we're Olymp. I'm an Olympian at eating candy. I feel gotcha. like, okay. I okay. Do that. Um, and uh, we we had a, a great sassy talk with Maggie about uh, video games and oh uh, the Olympics. So that's like that should be we joke Maggie of having um, podcast like recharge your life after dark, and that will be the super sassy. <laughs> um, I love so that. If you want to get Maggie real excited about something? You no. talk to her about video gamers as athletes in the Olympics. Oh, um, stop it! That is so blasphemous <laughs> in every way. I can't. Just don't, <laughs> don't even put that into the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Thank oh. you, Maggie. Uh, 
So Maggie's like ridiculously fun. Um, so, okay. So tell me from what are maybe the top two insights you received from, from Joe's and, and Dax's um, podcast that you're like, man, I keep going back to that one, or that's the one I tell people to listen to. Oh gosh, there are so many. Um, the one, and I cannot remember um, her name. I think she's the Surgeon General of uh, the state of California, possibly. I can't remember exactly what her name is, but she was on Dak Shepard's podcast, and they talked about trauma, um, and they talked about the signs of trauma in in children specifically, and um, different areas to look for. Uh, in order to to help them through the recovery process and uh, what that looks like from uh, a therapeutic standpoint, and then maybe going into the foster care system. And that has been one of my absolute favorite uh, podcasts to listen to, that one. And then um, he's also had a lot of people who have come on around social justice and mm-hmm. um, just the conversations around race and, and American culture. And all of those are just phenomenal conversations. So uh, those are those are definitely the ones from the from Dax's from Armchair Expert, and then uh, with Joe Rogan, boy, I love any coach, any athlete. Um, Jordan Burroughs was a great episode. Um, he had uh, uh, Gordon Howard, uh, or, yeah, Gordon Howard, um, and he is a jujitsu um, expert. And then, oh my gosh, the uh, different wrestling coaches. He has uh, Clarissa Shields. I mean, all of these are like Olympians or world champions or just like the best athletes that you could possibly think yeah. of. Uh, and I love listening to, you know, their, their recovery and their mindsets and mm. their focus strategies and their mental uh, capacity and um, just every part of their game, essentially. I love listening to that and, and taking different pieces from those conversations and saying, okay, how can I implement that into my training into my everyday lifestyle in order to reach the level of success that they had. Um, you know, actually, uh, Tom Brady was on armchair expert and even listening to some of his, I mean, he's been in the game for so long, you know, love him, hate him. Doesn't matter. You can respect his, his process and his game. And so just listening to that and the mental fortitude that goes into being the best, is just so inspiring. And, uh, I think we can all learn from it. And, and, uh, I certainly have implemented a lot of things and a lot of it's trial and error too. You got to figure out what works for yep. you. Yep. Uh, so I think that's, that's been some of my favorite, you know, I guess that's why I go to both podcasts is because sometimes if I want to go to like, you know, worldly, I want to hear from the experts and environment and social justice, I'm going to do that. But I also love the athletic mindset. Yeah. Maggie, I have a question and you might go, oh my God, you're so ignorant. So help me. (laughs) Because when I envision an Olympic athlete, right? Mm -hmm. Just an athlete in general at that level, Maggie, at your level where you're number one and, and, and you, you're the first to do these things. To me, it's such intense focus Mm -hmm. that like, how do you even make time for other stuff? Cause you actually have a full-time job. I do. (laughs) And so I'm thinking like, because it's such intense focus and you have to focus on what I'm eating and what I'm doing. Yeah. And, you know, we, we had a talk with Maggie about when does she get the COVID vaccine? Because mm-hmm. she can't be sick at all with time. Yeah. Tri- you have trial yeah. every week to get into the yeah. Olympics. So, yeah. so I guess Maggie, like, how do you, because you're so well-rounded. And so how, 
because I think I, I just believe, and because I'm not an athlete, this is where it comes is like just the naivete. I think you have to be so singularly focused that you're really not paying attention. To <laughs> right. So how do yeah. you, how do you focus on all these other things and kind of be this well-rounded mm-hmm. person without being so maniacal about yeah. training and, and throwing that javelin? Yeah. Um, so I actually really enjoy the balance of working mm-hmm. and training. Um, I don't know if that's something that I will do forever. Um, luckily with WildSpark and I'm so blessed to work there and it's the best company that I've ever worked for, best leadership and mm. and team that I've gotten to work with. They're so supportive of my schedule and and what my needs are. And so um, I'm not sure what that will look like in the future if, if things need to pivot and change based on my career as a javelin thrower. But uh, what I've learned through my career is that in 2016, after I made my first Olympic team, I was so singularly focused and um, very wrapped up in just javelin. I mean, it was the only thing that I was focused on and the only thing I really cared about. And it, it you know, it destroyed me essentially. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, for three, four years, I struggled a lot with identity and mental health and a lot of issues mm-hmm. r- because that was my only focus and the only thing I cared about and was so um, hypersensitive to what people were saying or thinking or how my practices were and what I was eating. I mean, it was just really unhealthy place. And so I, I think now I've found a lot of balance, um, and, and have created a lifestyle that supports, um, yes, my javelin throwing, but also, you know, because I have work and I have something to lean on outside of, if that practice was, you know, a bad practice, or if I had a bad competition or whatever it is, I know that I can go back to my workspace and, you know, be excellent there and work really hard and be with people who care about me. And so I think, you know, the blend of both has actually served me better than when I was singularly focused on Mm -hmm. javelin. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't know what that's going to look like in the future, because there may be a time where I do pivot towards, um, you know, more of the javelin career, um, you know, just depending on what God has in place for me and, um, Mm. where I think that that path's going to lead. So maybe that's, that will transition then, but I definitely was not ready or equipped to handle that in 2016. Um, so I, I love the blend and I do imagine a world where in the future, if I am more focused on, on javelin, I will still work in some capacity, um, whether that's with wild spark or if I'm serving, you know, at a hospital or whatever it is, I've worked since I was 12 years old. So I'm from Nebraska. We work in the cornfields, uh, very early on. So (laughs) I have worked very early in every, you know, just like every summer, anything, you know, my parents were teachers, so we had to work. And, um, so I'm used to it and I enjoy it. And so I, I, don't imagine me not working. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I might've treaded into the uh, question of what decision did yeah. you, know, the, so, so I, sorry, I did that. You can tell that this is an unscripted, it's scripted, but an unscripted show. Which um, is the best way to do a show. So. Right. <laughs> yes. um, but I want to give, you mentioned WildSpark. I want to give him a, a direct shout out that that's how we met Maggie because we work with a client who uses WildSpark and it's a great leadership training. So I encourage people to to check it out. Um, and the fact that they support you shows how much they appreciate flexibility and a holistic person at work. Like yes. how great is that culture? So I, well, I, I, I love that and, for you. 
And I want to give a quick shout out too. So like my CEO, Cord Sachs, um, when he created WildSpark and then our sister company, Fire Seeds, who does recruiting, he has said from the beginning, he wanted to create a culture where no individual had to choose between going to their son's or daughter's baseball game, football game, whatever it is, and work. He wanted to create a space where you can do both and you weren't sacrificing the moments with your family or in your personal life. You weren't sacrificing those areas for work things that will always be there. Um, So I I love that about Cord. He is a family man. He's got six kids. He supports all of our individual personal, you know, areas. And um, I mean, he's our number one fan. The amount of voicemails that I have gotten throughout this season (laughs) from him, (laughs) just, just, you know, Maggie, I still have the number, you know, I'm with my family, Eh, family, say hi to Maggie. And they're all yelling in the back. I mean, it's just the best environment to work in really is. Wow. I just, I. That is, and the fact that you found that after being so focused and you found a place that encourages you. Yes. How wonderful that the universe. And yep. I know your your we talked about this earlier. Um, your faith is so important that God brought you both yep. together. Like that's yep. so beautiful. I'm so Absolutely. happy. And leaders, it is you can do both, right? You can be yep. successful and make money and you can treat your people well. Okay, enough yep. of that. I got off amen, my amen, amen, amen. I got box <laughs> right there. Okay. Um, so the big question then is yes. what is the decision that you made that changed the trajectory of your life? And what are some yeah. of those qualities you use to help you make that decision? Absolutely. No. And I love this question. And, um, I think everybody has had a moment in their life that they can lean on and it, it doesn't even have to be huge at the moment. That's the one thing that I thought. So exactly. I was like, it doesn't have to be a big, like, Oh, right. this is, this is the moment. Um, and so for me, I actually, I chose two and I'll talk more about one, but number one thing in my life, becoming a Christian absolutely Mm -hmm. has changed my life forever. Um, and it's, you know, a struggle, but also the, the, you know, joys, uh, you know, that are found in it also. So number one thing in my life for sure. Um, but the, what I'll talk about today is, um, you know, making the decision to go into therapy, um, and counseling for, a long time, still, still do that. Um, and it looks a little bit different now, but I, uh, I started that in 20, I believe 17 or 26, mm-hmm. 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done it ever since. And it was the best decision that I've ever, ma- ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it, from the charge qualities, I mean, I think it goes into all of them, but the two that fit me were humility and resiliency. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I definitely came to a really low point uh, after the Olympics, they call it the Olympic hangover. Uh, and I felt it a hundred percent. And I didn't realize a lot of other Olympic athletes had felt that, uh, I did feel so alone. I wasn't performing well. I was injured. Um, you know, things just were not the, my expectations that I had had, which I feel like were, um, maybe unreasonable at the time, but I just didn't know they, I wasn't meeting any of those expectations. Um, I felt like, people were expecting a lot of me and I wasn't reaching that either. Um, you know, I was having a ton of identity issues at that time. Um, Mm. and absolutely was going into with some eating, um, you know, not an eating disorder, but going towards that direction Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, you know, just the resiliency of getting knocked down and, and figuring out how do we get back up? How do we, um, you know, 
address the the actual issues. Um, and I think that was definitely with the humil- humility is understanding there is a problem here and we mm-hmm. need to start working on ourselves, um, even if that means taking Javelin out of the picture. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it did come to a point in 2017 where, you know, I was having anxiety a lot around, um, you know, just Javelin in general. And mm-hmm. w- even walking into the track, I would start almost having a panic attack. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, I can't do this. Um, so the thing that gave me the most joy at the time mm-hmm. now became the biggest source of pain in my life. And so I think humility and resiliency really is what drove me in the direction of seeking some help. So Maggie, thank you for that, for two decisions now. So I'm going to go back to the first one. Yes. Becoming a Christian. So tell me, I mean, Cal and I are from the Midwest as well. And there's a lot of good, the um, people go to church on Sunday and all that kind of stuff. And so you're in Nebraska. Yes. Assume you were like, what religion were you then to become a Christian? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what was that transformation with your family? And when did you do that in, Mm -hmm. in terms of timing? Yeah. So I, so this is always an interesting question because I do believe that I was raised in a great household that was a Christian household. So, mm-hmm. um, my, but my family's Catholic. We lived right across the street from the Catholic church, like literally went to Catholic school, not yep. Catholic school, but CCD and all <laughs> yep. the Catholic uh-huh. things, yep. you know, you, you understand your, I'm, I'm feeling some Catholic guilt on your side as well. No, um, <laughs> that's so sweet. I am not yeah. overly religious, but I feel like yeah. I feel guilt from a lot of them. So yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, uh, which, you know what? I'm not knocking out on the Catholic religion. My mom is still Catholic. My family is, and that's fine. They have great relationships. Um, I, you know, didn't think anything about you know, I did not make the connection of Catholicism and Christianity. I didn't really, I'll be very transparent here. I did not, I did not understand God's love and grace specifically, um, and the grace of Jesus. I, uh, until I started transitioning away from Catholicism into more of a non-denominational, um, setting of, uh, of church and, and community and, um, that was during college. So right around 20, probably 15, 14, 15, um, is when I started making that transition and journey. Uh, I believe that I was Catholic and mm-hmm. I followed the rules and rules equaled, you know, love and yeah. rules in, in my mind. Now I'm not saying that that is what Catholicism is. Cause I don't believe that that is what they're meaning to teach. However, right. that was what was taught to myself and my sister yep. who also has transitioned away from Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt like I wasn't, I didn't have relationship. There was no relationship with Christ. And it was go to church on Sunday, follow these rules, eat these things, don't eat these things, yeah. follow this, you know, uh, uh, you know, go to this holy day. Like I was doing all those things. Um, and not that I had a, a, uh, you know, bad understanding of who Jesus of God was and who Jesus was. I just didn't have the full understanding. Mm -hmm. And so if we're going to go to accuracy, which is one of your others, I think that's what I was seeking as well was Mm -hmm. I want to know who Jesus is. I want to know who God is and what he, who, what he says about me and, and how he loves and what does grace look like? And, you know, do these, if I don't follow these things, like, do I lose that? Where in my mind, I think I had associated that, um, 
you know, following Catholicism. And so making the transition and trying to understand who God is and, um, you know, what, what, what Christ did for us, I think just allowed me to, man, just want to follow what Christ has said. And, and, and the, the, I don't want to use the world rules, but the principles that he's laid out for us, it makes me so in love with who Jesus is. And Mm -hmm. I want to just proclaim his name above everything. And that, you know, bringing this back to Javelin, I don't like talking about my accomplishments without using God as the overarching kind of orchestrator behind what's going on, Mm -hmm. because I truly believe that that's what's happening. And if I can be a mouthpiece to just proclaim who he is, that's what I feel like I'm put on this earth to do. And if Javelin, you know, the weirdest event in track and field, if that is the, (laughs) and really, you know, the most odd gift to give someone, um, if that is my gift, I will steward that. And I will use that, you know, as the, the platform to proclaim God's name and just bring people closer to Jesus. And I think that's what my purpose is right now. And that's what I want my purpose to be. It's not to throw as far as I possibly can. It's to do the best that I can with this gift so that I can bring people closer to Jesus or at least, you Mm. know, show, share my story. That is so beautiful the way you said that. And I think what was interesting to me listening, because your second decision was I'm going to go to therapy. I think the pattern for me for both of those is you're so curious. So you're like, yeah. all right. There's like, I'm sure your parents are like, yeah, she's curious. All right. Yep. <laughs> she's curious. But, but being curious meant you going, huh, well, this Catholicism seems okay. That's fine. But there's more. I want to be accurate. I want to find out what's going on. And the same thing when you were struggling so much with, I'm javelin, I'm at the Olympics. I mean, this is, I can easily see, Olympic hangover because it's like planning a wedding a million times mm. more difficult. And after that event, because it is an event, after that event, and it's what, 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds for exactly. some people, a minute. Yeah. And then all this work and then wah, wah, and yeah. it's done. Yep. And so for you being so curious and going, why am I doing this? Why am I feeling this way? Like, why do I have, why is Javelin now giving me panic attacks? And like, you're so curious. And that's what led you to say, nah, Catholicism. No, I want to move over here because I need a deeper relationship. You're like, you're always looking for the deeper meaning, which is what you did in your podcast, what you, what you did in your religion, and then what you did with therapy. So let's get Mm. to that point of of therapy. Because we've had a couple of people talk about that uh, on this podcast. What was kind of, do you remember the, the, the moment? Was it, you're like, oh my God, it's really impairing my social functioning. Like for other people, for other people who are struggling. And and, and we did talk earlier about, um, uh, before the show, just how much mental health is necessary to talk about right now. It's just a lot of people struggling. We were, Kelly Mm -hmm. and I were, on a um, a call where so many companies, the biggest thing used to be I'm leaving because I don't like my manager. And yeah. now that's number two now, but number one was I'm stressed out. Yep. So, so what did you kind of, what was going on with you where you're like, that's it. I'm, I'm going now. I can't, yeah. I can't own anymore. So <laughs> it's funny and Not embarrassing to say, but I would say the straw that broke the camel's back was that I 
had a really horrible breakup and which is just oh, like, oh my God. That'll do like, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and obvi- obviously there were other things happening that were much deeper than that. Yeah. Um, but I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And you know what? The best thing that could have happened to me. Um, looking back, I'm in an incredible relationship now with someone who I love and I get to do the sport with. He coaches me in javelin. He is my best friend and, you know, was my best friend at Texas A&M. We were on the team together for six years, never dated or anything, but then kind of found each other after we matured, I think. (laughs) Um, So, you know, only God's, you know, provision could have put that together, but um, went through this horrible breakup with somebody who at the time I was just kind of, you know, so in love with. And mm-hmm. I, uh, I think that was what set it off because now Olympics is over. I don't know what my next steps are. I feel like there's a ton of expectation on me. I was told that I was supposed to be this and that, and that didn't happen. Yep. Um, I now am not a part of a, uh, a team dynamic, which I was taking care of, you know, for mm-hmm. four years yep. in, as part of the university. So now I'm on my own. Um, all my friends are kind of graduating and and moving on with their life and leaving. And then I am injured as Mm. uh, an athlete and then I got broken up with. So it felt extremely lonely. Um, and I did not know who I was at this point. I felt like, um, I was Maggie, the Olympian or Maggie, the javelin thrower. And I just wanted to know who Maggie was. And Mm. I didn't know who Maggie was without achievement and success. And when that wasn't happening, um, I, I was, I was losing it. I was crumbling. And so I sought out, um, I, I talked to my friends first and just said, I need help. I am not in a good headspace or mindset. I can barely make it through my day without crying or having a panic attack. Um, I don't know what to do. Can you help me? And so my incredible friends, they um, connected me with a Christian counselor who I love and would still work with if I didn't move to to Birmingham. But she was incredible. And she, we did so much work on breaking down identity. Um, She asked hard questions um, that I was used to skirting around most of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and she would not let me. <laughs> I <laughs> love it. Great. Um, That's a good therapist there. It's a great therapist. Um, <laughs> I talked about earlier, you know, I was dealing with some, some eating, um, yeah. and just a lot of body, body issues, um, yeah. which I think happens a lot with female athletes, if oh, not, yeah. uh, addressed obviously. And so I did a ton of work around that. And, um, just so thankful. I mean, I was seeing her weekly and you know, it's fun. like the first probably three weeks I would just walk in and cry for oh, like 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, right. <laughs> I would just cry. And I was in so much pain. It was just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what my next steps are. Everybody keeps saying I'm supposed to be this. I'm supposed to be that. And, it, and that's not happening. And you know, there was, there was some, you know, many, many, many fame and people, you know, just, you know, knowing who you are and all that kind of stuff. And that wasn't there anymore. And I think that I let that consume me at the time. And, um, you know, I've talked a lot in different interviews that I was not mature. I was not, I do not think that I was mature enough to handle what was happening in 2016. And I needed, 
I needed time to go through therapy and understand who I was and what I wanted out of life. Um, and, and really whose I am, which is Christ in order to continue in this sport. And, um, if, you know, success comes and it's, you know, come even more than in 2016 at this point. Um, and I don't know if I told you guys, but I achieved one of my goals. I set the American record a few weeks ago. You guys that, um, which was one of my goals that I've always set for myself, oh my gosh. you know, the best I've ever thrown. And, um, you know, I think in 2016 that would have consumed me and I would have been crushed by any expectation moving forward. Um, but because of the work I've been able to do, I know that it's not the end all be all and that that mm-hmm. is not my purpose in life was not to throw that number. That's not, that's right. not what this is about. Um, and I think that that's been a huge, um, I guess, change in where I want my career to take me and, um, what I want to accomplish. I think that yeah. the mindset needed to, to change. I first, I just listening to you thinking how young, I kept just thinking how young because <laughs> you you're just in college. So our brains aren't even yeah. formed until like 25 yeah. and we're all make like dumb mistakes yeah. uh, in college that I wish none of them are recorded for the younger generation. Cause I think <laughs> yeah, mine weren't recorded. That's all I have to say. But, yeah. but you were so young with this incredible amount of pressure that even if you had, I just think about people and 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 people in your situation of just even if you had the most perfect upbringing, like let's just yeah. pretend it was, yeah, that doesn't even matter because the amount of pressure yep, that exactly. you're on the Olympics and how could you not start to think all you are is a javelin thrower? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like you're oh, sure. with it so enmeshed that yeah. there's no way you can yeah. kind of tease those out. And so what I love to come full circle, because I want to talk about what advice you have for people. Mm-hmm. What I love is, and again, because we didn't plan this, um, I said earlier, like how well-rounded you are. And what I love is you're like, yeah, I really worked hard at it, girl. Like I really wanted <laughs> to be this well-rounded. Yeah. And how sick, more successful you are now that you've yeah. given yourself grace yeah. and be like, you know what? Yeah, I throw I throw a big stick. Looks like a toothpick. <laughs> yeah, looks like a toothpick. But um, yeah. but like yeah, I throw this. I throw this. It's really cool, but it's only a part of my life. Yeah, and I can be successful, and it's going to be this wonderful platform for me to talk about what I'm really passionate about. Yeah, and how much work you give people hope that if they're in it, well, oh, I'll cry. That if they're in it, they can come out of it. Yeah. So now, exactly. like, can we talk about not crying on this? Okay. Anyway, um, so, no, you're making Maggie, me cry. What advice do you have for people when yeah. they're making decisions? Um, number one, and this is something that my my uh, one of my bosses, Josh Etris, he taught me, and he was like, "You make your decisions through community. Um, you need." your people around you. And it doesn't have to be a large group, but you need people to speak that you trust to speak honesty, um, into your life, uh, to ask you hard questions and, um, that you believe. And so for me, that is surrounding myself with, with, you know, strong Christian people who I trust and and love to tell me, you know, and, and ask me hard questions of, okay, what, what are the repercussions if you do this and this? And so I will not make a decision without my community at this point. Um, 
who know me, love me and know my struggles. I think that's the other part. They need to know who you, who you are and what your struggles are so that they can help guide you. Um, so that's, that's a big one for me. And then, um, the second one is, you know, talking about mental health. I think everybody should have a counselor or a therapist, you know, and I, I know (laughs) that that may not always be, uh, accessible. And I totally understand that. I wish that it was accessible to everyone and that it wasn't, um, there wasn't ever a pay barrier or anything like that, because I think everyone struggles and everyone needs somebody to talk to. Uh, and mental illness is, is something that's, you know, in my family a lot. And, uh, we talked about that where, you know, there's a lot of anxiety that go- is in my family. And, um, I think that if you are trying to handle it by yourself, it's going to, cru- it's going to crush you. Yep. It's, and it's, it's not, you're not, I hate saying this cause I feel like it's harsh, but I'm a pretty direct person. Yep. You're not going to make it if you're trying to do it by yourself. Nope. And I know that. And it's, and I just want to continue just to say like, you are so loved. It is, there's is no stigma mm-hmm. around mental health. Like there people I think are empowered to hear other people's stories of saying, yeah, this is what was happening to me. And this is why I went into counseling. This is why I went into therapy. And this is how it's helped me. And I think that we need to share those, those stories and we need to continue to lean into, um, into, you know, just mental health. You know, if you want to talk about like providing resources and financial backing, I think we need to move in that direction. Um, because I think that that is the number one thing that, most people are facing every single day is just their, their mental health. And so to me, I, you know, if you have the ability to talk to someone, absolutely do it. 100%. I, um, love it, love it, love it, love it. It should be, everyone gets a therapist, right? Yep. There's, a chicken, there's a chicken in every pot. Everyone should get a therapist. And I think it's so important. And you're right. Think about all the physical health stuff we talk about. Yes. Like, oh, I have a cold. Oh, I have, you know, like we always ask about that, but no one really talks about mental health. Exactly. And I love that you're talking about it because I'll tell people like, of course I went to therapy and we put um, our son in it when we d- yeah. made the transition, we moved out here because part of it is, you know, there's always good help, but I also wanted him, especially as a boy yes. to know therapy is no big deal. Right. It's not, like, and it's great. It. Yeah. Just go to it, <laughs> talk to someone. Now, of yeah. course, you know what he does. He's like, it did nothing for me, but he's oh, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 But, yeah uh, but he'll know, right. Yeah. He's imprinted that, yeah. oh, this is fine. Like, yeah. yeah, you go and then you talk to someone, you leave. It's no big deal. Yeah. Well, and so, it, yeah. Go I ahead. Yeah. I was going to say one of the things that I, you know, this has just even happened. So Naomi Osaka, she is the best tennis player in the world at this point who has come out and she pulled out of, I think it was the French open and now Wimbledon Wimbledon. because because of mental health, because she is saying, no, 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 this is not, this is not what is going to help me long-term. I need to take care of me. Uh, And I need to put that into check, into perspective in order to continue in this sport, maybe long-term. And I think that in the past that, and and even, I think she, you know, has faced some unwarranted backlash around that. But I think that in the past that would have been heavily criticized. And now I I think people are more understanding. I truly do. And empowered to see the best athlete in the world say, Wimbledon, sorry, I'm not going to compete here, which is, you know, the highest, 
you know, honor that you could win that achievement. And she's saying, nope, that's not, that's not going to be it for me. I can't do that right now. I can't do that right now. And he, and I'm going to take care of me because I love this sport and I don't want this to be, you know, I don't want this to be at my detriment. So I think that is so powerful. Yes. Those people in high level like you, because you do have a platform like her, they have a platform and she's the highest paid athlete, I thought, female for sure. Um, And for her to say no. And I think too, we sometimes put, we stigmatize mental health, but especially with athletes, because in a way you're machines, right? You just, you're the machine and you do it and you're not have any other feelings or emotions. Exactly. I know uh, Cal is passionate about tennis. What almost on the Olympic team for tennis, right? Wow, I'm just, sorry. Yeah, super close. She was ridiculously close. That's Maggie. incredible. She that's doesn't incredible. like. That's very. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> maybe for watching tennis, uh, I used to play. But yeah, I mean, watching tennis. But yes, that was about it. Um, and Wimbledon. Talk about rules. Talk about rules. In you know Wimbledon. I mean, that's all rules. Yeah. And, uh, we just, the, the, you know, being in England and everything. So I think what's so powerful about your story is how incredibly, um, intentional you were in not letting, even if there was a voice in your head or someone Mm -hmm. telling you, no, not, I'm not going to do this, or I'm not going to do that. Or, um, you weren't listening to any of those outside voices. You were truly blazing a trail for yourself. Yep. To say, you know what, I'm uncomfortable and I don't like this. And I'm going to do mm-hmm. the hard work. I'm going to do the heavy lifting. And yep. it just shows how tenacious you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it's so incredibly powerful. You know, I'm tearing up because you share such beautiful, I mean, the way you package the, your your message is just so eloquent. And I think mm-hmm. one of our most powerful exchanges we had was over email. When I mm-hmm. sent you feedback about something. And it was, you know, not, it wasn't overly, it, it was just, you know, hey, you might consider, you know, doing yeah. this in a module going forward. And your response, this podcast episode has brought that full in full focus of how mm. your response could be as genuine and authentic and just purely, I, I mean, the, you were so open in a way that I haven't ever received, I haven't ever received a response from feedback in a long time. And it was oh. something to where Carrie and I looked at each other and said, this is something, this is like a model for how you, how you receive feedback because Mm -hmm. it was, it was not about you, Maggie, as an individual, it was Mm -hmm. something completely, you know, different and you never made it about yourself in any way. It was just so gracious Mm -hmm. and kind. And I I just was left feeling overwhelmed with, with, with uh, gratitude that we know you. Oh, I thank you for saying that. (laughs) You're make me tear up. I, um, I appreciate you saying that a lot. And, um, I just want you guys to know, I love working with both of you. It is, you have challenged a lot of the way that I think and how I think other people, um, who I work with, what, what they, how they think and how we can get better. And I think that's the number one thing I am thankful for, uh, in this job is getting to work with people who make me better. Uh, and I think that you guys are, uh, are, are those people in, in my life to, to challenge a lot of areas that I think and, and how I feel and how I treat people. So um, thank you guys so much. And sorry if Absolutely. you hear some knocking in the background, somebody's at our door. <laughs> no worries. You just heard my dog bark. So okay, great, great. <laughs> you know, you we know that it's all good. Life. We're animal lovers, yeah. people lovers. So <laughs> um, Maggie, just uh, again, thank you so much. We will, we are yeah. looking so forward to watching you on the Olympics 
Um, and in the trials, I've marked June, I've marked June 26th on my calendar because I believe that's when the, the javelin mm-hmm. event is happening, right? So, yes, um, yep. 20, 25th and 26th. Yep. Awesome. Well, we wish you all the luck in the world. Um, but even yeah, if, send my prayer, if, send prayers my way. <laughs> lots of prayers coming your way, Thank girlfriend. You. And if you would like to connect with Maggie, I think you can see a bazillion reasons why you'd want to do that very thing. <laughs> Please do that. Um, on uh, LinkedIn at Maggie Malone. We'll also send her website information too, because she has one of the coolest profile pics I've ever seen. <laughs> and you will see it in your social media postings too. So thank you, Maggie, again, so much for sharing um, your story. You're just such a beautiful person inside and out. And we just adore you. Uh, back at you, ladies. I love y'all. <laughs> thank you. All right. We'll see ya. Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abracigroup.com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Abrachi Group, Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at Warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you.